that's what we did this week. I know a guy that was down there for a Super Bowl week has had this covered every which way as we uh, bring in our, our guest today from the ringer, Brian Curtis. Brian, uh, uh, welcome in. Thanks for hopping on with us for a few minutes today. Hello, Brian, who spells his name differently than I do. Yeah, it's I great mean, to be here. Yeah, we for those not uh, in the break at QSportsTalk.com, we were thoroughly breaking down the difference between this radical Brian that spells it with a Y and the, uh, <laughs> us normals over here that have an I. Well, obviously, we had full control over the situation, Brian, and uh, of course, as it goes. <laughs> I one time got a book signed by somebody, and I, he said, how do you spell your name? And I said it, and he goes, I bet you've hated your mom for your entire life. <laughs> spelling your name with a Y. And I said, I don't know if hate's the right word, but it's complicated things. Uh, yeah, and I, I do appreciate when people ask me before they write it down the wrong way. So whoever whoever the <laughs> Brian truthers are out there. Uh, but I uh, wanted to talk to you. you. know, I reached out to you last week. You were doing a bunch of stuff down at the Super Bowl and wrote a lot of articles out, out, out of there. And you kind of hit it from the media perspective. So you escaped media row, radio row, last week intact. So how did you make it out in one piece, Brad? I don't know how intact I feel after being around, <laughs> you know, hundred sports radio hosts and podcasters for the better part of six days. But, you know, it's almost like going to sports radio Disneyland when you're down there. You look over and there's, you know, there's Jim Rome. Oh, there's a guy from ESPN. There's this. And then you've got all these celebrities and let us call them pseudo celebrities walking around Radio Road trying to get interviewed. And I think the funniest moment was I was sitting around for three days and I'm looking at this guy way over six feet. He looks kind of medium handsome. And on Wednesday, I turned to my colleague, Kevin Clark from The Ringer, and I was like, that guy looks exactly like Jim Everett and my and Kevin goes, Brian, that is Jim Everett, former Rams quarterback who has been here all week. <laughs> and uh, hopefully they kept him away from uh, kept him away from Jim Rome because that I don't know yeah, if that's I did, quite I did not see that confrontation happen, but man, that would have been yeah. that would have been some radio row news. I mean, that's a good twenty five years ago now for the whole Jim Chris Everett thing. But uh, uh, th- those wounds I can't imagine healed too quick. But you, you know, I, I, that article was uh, fun. But the the one that caught my eye and uh, th- this stuff is really fun. And you know, people I, I don't think realize all this goes on. Like you know, literally more than a hundred million, close to one hundred and twenty million people watch the game on uh, Sunday, and they're seeing all these shots and all this stuff that goes on. And, and you wrote an article about uh, a term. I'd actually never heard this term before, so I, I enjoyed hearing it coined. It was called, uh, quote, bummage, which is like the, the tight shots of like everybody being upset and stuff after plays. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a, uh, a quote-unquote, bummage shot that hit his hard before the game started than like the slow-mo Nick Sirianni tears during the National Anthem. <laughs> That was that was some serious bummage. So bummage for people who don't know means like a player is bummed out. And what Fox does when they shoot a game, and you are absolutely right, all this stuff kind of washes over us, right? We get mad at Greg Olson or Kevin Burkhardt or whatever, but we rarely think about why did they show that shot? Who, who was the camera guy who got that? And when Fox looks for bummage, they look for players right after something really bad happens to them, and they give us this very tight slow motion close-up of their face and it really helps you feel what the players feeling like and beyond the Nick Sirianni shot you mentioned during the anthem there was that really great shot of uh, Patrick Mahomes sitting on the sideline right after he got hurt at the end of the first half and looked like he wasn't going to come back in the game and he put his head on a trainer or assistant coach's shoulder yeah and I was like wow that was an amazing image and it's stuff like that and you talked about it in the article and you know for those that don't understand especially at the Super Bowl like you know, smaller games, there's a TV truck and there's people in there. But the Super Bowl, it's 
just the volume of people and cameras and options to choose from for, you know, Richie Zions, who you're writing about at Fox, to, like, look up at the bank of, like, infinity monitors in front. Like, that is the shot uh, we need. Like, that that process interests me of uh, how they're able to pick that out in literally, it's like two seconds and they get that thing up on the screen. You're not exaggerating. The play-ins, and Richie, who you mentioned, who's the producer for Fox, their lead NFL producer, looks at these monitors and is like, what angle replay do I want to show you right now? And if you watch a lot of Fox, you notice they often show three replays in a row. There'll be like one look, and then there'll be a second look, and then there'll be a tight shot of a player's face. He has three to five seconds to pick those out. And I have sat in the truck with him and watched him do it. And he's getting, you know, people are talking in his ear and there's all these cameras. And just think about that responsibility. You don't just have to do it once. You have to do it every few plays. And if there's a play on the sidelines, you've got to find the monitor that has the receiver's feet, where they're getting in bounds. That big DeFonde Smith contested catch we had in the Super Bowl. You've got to find the shot where we can see if the ball is moving in his hands. It's incredibly complicated and they make it look incredibly easy. Brian Curtis from The Ringer is with us. And, Brian, you know, watching the game, and obviously, you know, there's controversy in the holding call late and, you know, the catch, not a catch. But as far as the broadcast, I, I don't know about you. Like, usually a lot of years it feels like, oh, well, you know, they were good, but, ooh, that one thing was kind of wonky. I, I don't I don't recall, like, anything standing out as like, oh, goodness, what what happened here this year? Did, did anything pop to you, or is this did this come off as a pretty clean broadcast from your, your view? I thought it really did, especially considering you had two guys that were announcing their first ever Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, this was a new seat for them. Obviously, they would be a little bit nervous. I wouldn't, you know, I would respect them for being nervous, but they get in there and I felt it was interesting. I almost felt like they were trying not to over talk, which is a problem all of us have in this media business. <laughs> we get nervous, we over talk, we try to do too much. And both of those guys felt to me like they were like, I'm going to call the game, do my thing, call the plays, analyze the action. And then I'm going to shut up. And there is something wonderful as a viewer about letting the game breathe and just shutting up once in a while. Uh, yeah, the power of silence uh, in the television, especially when you have the uh, the moving <laughs> pictures. It, it It is wonderful. And you talk about, okay, so first Super Bowl, not for the crew, but for Olsen and Burkhart. And now, now we get to move into the soap opera part. Is, is Greg going to get a second Super Bowl? That this Tom Brady thing's hanging out there, where he might get thirty-five million to go uh, do that gig, which is uh, way, 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 way more than anyone else has ever gotten to do this. Do you have any sense, Brian, what's going to happen there at Fox? Because I, I don't know if they have a sense yet of what's going to happen. My totally unsatisfying answer is: I think it's like fifty-fifty right now. I think on the one hand, Brady is very interested in being an announcer, from what I've heard. I think he was interested in being a good announcer. He said the other day at radio on uh, an interview he gave before the Super Bowl that he wants to study the business a little bit and and learn what he can do. But I also think when he announced that he is not going to do this until fall of 2024, Tom Brady is going to take a look around and go, what other incredibly lucrative things (laughs) could I do with my life? Of which there are a bunch. And, you know, could he be the minority owner of an NFL team? Could he do, you know, jump into some business that just that you and I will never understand that will make him tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars? The answer is yes. And I think he could just as easily press that button. And Greg Olson is our guy for from here on. And yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Tom Tom gets opportunities that the uh, rest of us do not get. So uh, he will have no. uh, things available. I guess the main question is, and there's really no way to know this uh, yet, because you know, you see Tom at a press conference or you know during a five minute thing or whatever, it's not the same thing. Like for people that wonder, is that broadcasting? No, that's something completely different. 
Do you, do you think Tom Brady would be a good broadcaster if put in that spot, like to be like the guy? I don't know, but here's the thing. I think Tom Brady is a very competitive person. Mm. And I think when he gets into the broadcasting game, he's going to go, oh, wait, people really like what Peyton Manning is doing on the Manning cast on ESPN. People like, or at least used to like, Tony Romo and what he's doing on CBS. I want to be that good, right? I, I don't want to come in here and it's like, oh, wow, Tom Brady stinks compared to those guys. So I absolutely think he will come in there if he does this, and I think still think it's a pretty big if, come in there and try to be great. And that's, you know, let, let's be honest. A lot of athletes do not come in there thinking that. They're like, this is a nice paycheck to cash now mm-hmm. that I'm done playing football. I think if he'll do it, he's really going to work hard on it. So I think that kind of sets the floor for him at a certain level. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Jason Witten, obviously, he's not the celebrity on the level of uh, Brady, but his maybe was he tried too hard. I, I don't know, but it was one where everyone thought he was tailor-made for, right? And it it just hit flat on that one Monday night football season for whatever reason. It did, you know, and to me, Tom Brady, look, you're right. When he does a press conference, he's most of the time trying not to give out information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas if he's an announcer, he's going to be trying to get information, hopefully give his opinion, hopefully criticize a quarterback from time to time. But look, he's smart about media, right? He's done a lot of stuff on social media. He's done this podcast on SiriusXM. I just think he's going to have some tricks up his sleeve that you and I probably can anticipate, but we'll see on Fox if he ever gets there. Yeah, it's one of those things with Brady and Brian Curtis from The Ringers, our guests. Like if he's if he's willing to let it fly, like there's no reason he can't uh, be good. Because I, I look at Troy Aikman. Like I, I was never a huge, Aik- I'm a Giants fan, so of course I wasn't a huge Aikman fan. But you know, early on, like what's he doing here? But it feels like the last few years, and adding Joe Buck as well, like they've cut loose, right? And, and it's made them a, a lot more compelling a broadcast team. Troy has totally let it rip. I think of the NFC Championship game last year was Rams versus 49ers. Remember that? And the 49ers got the ball back with a chance to win the game, and Jimmy G's behind center, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Well, unfortunately, Jimmy G's got to make a play here, or something <laughs> like that." And it was just the most subtle and wonderful message to the audience that you know what? I just don't think Jimmy G's going to win this game. He's great, uh, and uh, he was very correct on how that all played out. <laughs> yeah, it was true uh, down the stretch last year. You know, last offseason, you know, we talk about Brady. Like, last offseason was this crazy a broadcaster, ring around the rosy musical chairs, whatever the heck was going on when you added in Al Michaels and our guy Tarico and all this stuff that, that was going on. And it all kind of started, it feels like, when, when the Romo hit, like a, a few years ago. Like, when the Romo thing became a thing, it, it felt like people like, all right, let's go. Let's go figure this out. And now, now eventually, this happens to all. Now we have Romo backlash. Where, where are you at with Tony Romo right now? It, it, it's not been that long, but we've gone the full 360 on him already. It feels like I was, you know, I've thought this for a while, and there's a there's a clip out there somewhere that proves it. But even watching him the season before this last one, I thought this about Tony Romo. I thought if the offenses are having a great game, if it's Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen or Joe Burrow, and they are just lighting up the scoreboard, he is really good mm-hmm. because that enthusiasm is infectious. And you're like, yeah, yeah, here we go. Jim, it's a great game, Jim. This is incredible. If the game is not great, or more specifically, the offenses aren't great, I think Tony Romo's just kind of a guy. And, you know, he's not really interested in breaking down the defense. He's not really interested in offensive line play or things like that. So what you get is a guy who's fantastic if the quarterbacks are fantastic. 
And and look, I, I think Tony Romo does a lot of things really well. I think he made everybody a lot more enthusiastic in the whole game of broadcasting. Everyone was getting a little dour there for a while before mm-hmm. he came in in 2017. But I just think he's got some holes in his game, uh, and a lot of these guys do, frankly, that he needs to fix and that he can get a lot better at. Yeah, honestly, like in my mind, like I liked Romo. It's a little wonky here the last few years. I thought I think he was better the first year. I think, uh, and this has happened. I feel multiple times here in Jim Nance's career. Like almost the best thing that's about like Romo or you know Bill Raftery joining him. Like it lightened up him, right? And it lightens up the whole yes. <laughs> the whole broadcast crew when you can do that. Nance told me that specifically. He said, I'm trying to match the energy of the guy I'm with. Mm-hmm. So when that was Phil Sims, remember that right at the end of Phil Sims where it was getting a little low energy? Yeah. <laughs> he was he had to be way down here. And as soon as he gets Romo and Romo's all bubbly, he goes up and everybody's like, Oh, Jim Nance is back. Well, that happens when you when you broadcast with a partner. What do you think, and speaking to Nance, this is his final March Madness that'll be coming up uh, this year, that our Syracuse guy, Ian Eagle, will step in and do a, a, a fantastic uh, job for sure. What, what do you think this uh, tournament's going to be like uh, for Nance? Like, there's, there's going to be, I, I can't imagine how many packages on CBS will be watching and all this uh, all this stuff. Like, they're going to be trotting out a, a lot of stuff over the course of March, I'd imagine. Wait, we got another Syracuse guy in a number one broadcasting slot. You you can't Wait, get what? you can't get away from us. Like we're you're surrounded, Brian. It's everywhere. I'm just I'm just glad these Syracuse guys are finally getting a break because you know it's been a long, long, tough road. For yeah, it's a it's been a rough the, uh, Newhouse School, a rough fifty years for us or so. <laughs> no, I love Ian. Um, it'll be interesting for Nance. I think you know if you went to Jim Nance and uh, gave him some true serum, the NCAA tournament might be third in his power ranking mm-hmm. just because we know he loves golf and the masters and the NFL is the NFL doing the super bowls, doing the super bowl. But I just think that, you know, this is a big part of his life. He's done it since 1991, which is just an incredible run in anything, especially broadcasting. You know, I think he'll get sentimental, but that's Jim Nance, right? Jim Nance is sentimental. That's what he does on the air. And, you know, what does he do? Give the tie, give away his tie at the end of the thing. Yeah. And he'll go through all that. He'll do a lot of interviews, but yeah, it'll, it'll be, it'll be Jim Nance to me with just a little something extra. Yeah. At some point, maybe in a few years from now, there's going to be something weird. Like we'll be watching a show called the final tie, watching his tie float around <laughs> the, the final four this year. 30 for 30. Exactly. The final tie. Like where, where did it go? Like where, where have all the ties found a home or, or something like this? All right, Brian, uh, great, great to chat. Before we let you go here, uh, what's coming up soon uh, on the ringer? What, uh, what do you got coming up here in the near future? I got some more uh, podcasts this week um, on the Press Box where we break down sports media stuff and media media stuff. And then I'm going to take a vacation because, you know, being a week on Radio Row, <laughs> we, all, we all need a break, Brian. And uh, it's time for me to take mine. All right. Uh, it's a well-earned and well-deserved, Brian. Uh, thanks so much for hopping on for a few minutes today. And we'll, we'll have to do this again down the line. All right. Anytime, Brian. Thanks for having me. All right. We, we talk to Brian's whenever we can on the show. We don't always get the opportunity. That's Brian Curtis from The Ringer. Check out his stuff uh, where? At The Ringer. He does a podcast multiple times a week on the Press Box with uh, David Shoemaker and uh, writes all things uh, sports media over at The Ringer. With that, we'll take a break. Come back. 